They don't want to be on record for the tough votes. And that's not why they were elected. They were not elected to go up there and hide their votes from their constituents. They were elected to go up there and stand on principle and stand with courage and put their money where their mouth is and that being their vote. Hello, everyone. I'm Brandon Lewis, founder of the Tennessee Conservative, the Volunteer State's largest conservative news alternative. Today, we are joined by Tori Venable, who is the Tennessee Director of Americans for Prosperity. And I have known Tori for a while, and she is one of the few allies that we have in the state against corporate welfare, uh, for school choice and empowering parents, and for transparency inside the legislative process and ethical reforms. Tori is here to talk about a few items that are and aren't happening in the legislative session and how you can get plugged in to make a difference. Tori, welcome to the program. Brandon, thanks so much for having me. We're talking about my favorite subject, transparency, because there can be no accountability without some transparency. Excellent. Well, let's start off with one of my personal pet peeves and a pet peeve of uh, every reporter that works for us and that is the what i think amounts to a deceptive and purposely so practice of voice votes what are voice votes why are they a bad thing and what can we do to make the process of voting on bills and committees and subcommittees uh, more transparent to the electorate so voice votes are the process that the state legislature on the House side currently uses to pass bills or fail bills through committee. The Senate does every vote with a roll call vote, meaning every vote of the member on each committee is recorded in order. What happens on the House committees, however, is much different. They say all in favor say aye, all opposed no, and the chairman basically calls it as they hear it. And we have seen this lead, lead to some pretty outrageous outcomes where clearly the no's had it or clearly the yeses had it, and the chairman rules it the opposite direction. And so this can happen for a number of reasons. We've got some members that, you know, they uh, they don't want to be on record for the tough votes. And that's not why they were elected. They were not elected to go up there and hide their votes from their constituents. They were elected to go up there and stand on principle and stand with courage and put their money where their mouth is and that being their vote. So, you know, there's been a few different ways that we could have received more transparency, but the Republican caucus, and as you know, we're in a super majority, they had elected to continue the voice vote process this year. There's a number of champions, though. Brian Ritchie is the one who comes to mind who actually made a motion on the floor to require roll call votes in committees. Um, that motion got sent to what is now called a select committee on rules. Now, mind you, this is a new made up committee that the speaker appointed. Um, otherwise, it would have went to what is called the calendar and rules committee, which is a standing committee that schedules the calendar for legislative votes and is supposed to vote on the rules of the legislature. So, you know, by the breakdown of those two committees, that select committee on rules, if they they were to even hear that motion, it's destined to fail. I mean, I looked at the out uh, the makeup of that committee. There's maybe two, maybe three votes, and I would assume that a couple of those are Democrat votes that would vote for more transparency. So, 
uh, it's we're not in a good place as far as getting roll call votes happening this year unless people are actually calling on their state representatives and holding them accountable to the fact of whether or not they're recording their votes and whether they are seconding uh, and and agreeing with motions whenever a member asks for a roll call vote. One more thing to this. So I saw, uh, you know, the argument to keep the roll call votes is that it makes the process faster and that it makes government more efficient. Well, the problem with that, uh, so recently in the calendar and rules committee, oddly enough, a committee that, mind you, has rarely ever killed a bill, they all they do is schedule a bill. The only way they could kill a bill is if they send it to a dead committee. So this committee decided they were going to put on a little show for us earlier this week and actually roll call the votes in the calendar and rules committee. And to illustrate that it would take three to four minutes for each vote to be recorded. Um, well, you know, that's nice and all, but there have been donors that have offered to put in electric vote boards in all of the committee rooms. There are actually free apps that would allow legislators to log every single one of their votes that the what the legislature could use. Uh, they just simply choose not to because it's easier to hide their votes and and to be able to lie to their constituents about where they really stand. Well, John Crawford, who voted to allow Democrats to vote in Republican primaries, so if you don't like that and you're a conservative, that's probably the number one person you can thank on this second round uh, of votes. Um, there are people that say the, the yeses were there, like we talked to people. There were more yeses in the articles we ran than what Mr. Crawford uh, gaveled down, and then he said that he was recorded as a voice, a voice vote saying yes after he gaveled it down, which is very convenient. And so all of that um, stuff, when when you see um, when you see Republicans and Democrats voting together consistently, that gives you a good idea of what they probably should run at as instead of Republicans. In in this person's humble opinion, not AFPs. Uh, next question. We were told that amendments and caption bills would be posted 24 hours before being heard, that there would be transparency, uh, and this has a lot to do with the incumbent protection bill that uh, McNally and uh, Sexton pushed uh, to protect incumbents and to muzzle uh, conservative nonprofit groups who wanted to simply show the face or talk about the voting record of these individuals leading into an election. Uh, they don't want, and they are not used to, the uh, level of heat and accountability that has been brought to them. And so they were they promised us that if they were going to try to do something sneaky and unethical, they would at least let us know 24 hours beforehand. Uh, but instead, they have been doing sneaky and unethical things, but not posting it 24 hours beforehand. Uh, talk about what's going on with that stuff. So they did launch the Tennessee Legislative Dashboard, and so that's not the same thing as the main website that everyone has access to. You have to actually sign up, create an account, and it's a little clunky to use because you've got to know when a bill will be heard in committee, and you've got to select that committee to see the supplemental materials. The problem is these amendments are still not being filed, um, and you're still not able to review them in this dashboard 24 hours before a committee hearing, even though there's been multiple times. I know good and well there's a, an amendment. I literally have one in my hand from a member, but yet it is not on this website. That the Mind you, this is the same website that the other legislators use. So other legislators are not receiving these amendments more than 24 hours before they are voting on it, unless they are just printing out paper copies, but it's definitely not going on to the online version. So that's really a problem that we had hoped to see corrected. 
I mean, it was uh, one of the biggest victories I felt so far this year was saying that they were going to give the public access to this dashboard. And the other thing they said they were going to do is provide red lines. And what red lines are, it's a like a context edited version of what they're changing in the law. So that way you could look at a, a regular person could look at what they're changing in the law and understand what exactly a bill is doing, because not everyone has a law degree or knows how to read the Tennessee code, code as it is. It's unfortunate. Uh, what can we do to fix it? Uh, continue calling on the speakers to fix the dashboard and to actually upload the amendments. The clerks take their cues from the speaker, so it is really up to the speaker to push them to upload these amendments and to upload these red line versions that the House research analysts should be completing. So we build websites in my paying job. I do not make any money and have never taken a dime from running the Tennessee conservative, but on my, my paying gig, we build websites. This is posting a PDF with a link. People have been doing this since 1995 on the internet that Al Gore invented why Cameron Sexton can't post a Word document with red lines and a PDF so people can see it beforehand. I, I just don't think you can fix any other problems if you can't do that. Uh, Mr. Sexton, if you need help with the the uh, advanced web development needs of posting PDFs on a website, please call me. You can talk to John. He works for me. We post PDFs all the time. To Next, be fair, it's not the speaker. It's people that the speaker directs that are supposed to do this. Yeah, but nobody nobody breaks wind uh, in the chamber without Cameron Sexton's approval uh, or Randy McNally's approval. Uh, and so I don't does have to stop somewhere. You're right. Yeah, it, it all stops up there. Uh, if, if it if there's a problem in Tennessee and if it has not been addressed or fixed, you can just about point your fingers at two people. At least that's what I've discovered in the last three years doing this. Guys, we need your support. I want to thank all of you who gave to our March campaign. Why do we have a March campaign? We spend an extraordinary amount of money above and beyond what we normally spend when the legislature is in session because we have to report on so much so fast, and even so, we, we miss a lot of stuff. People are like, oh, I can't believe you're not reporting on this. I wish you'd report on that. I was like, well, you write a big enough check, we can report on everything. But as it is, we are, uh, we are revving uh, in the red. We are bumping our little budget uh, to the degree that we can without being financially irresponsible. We do not have any corporate sponsorship. Uh, we have very few advertisers because people are afraid. Uh, even conservatives are just afraid. And so when we don't put our money uh, where our mouth is, bad things happen. When we don't uh, show up to the Capitol like the Democrats did here recently to take away your rights, uh, when we don't engage to the degree that we should, bad things happen, and that's why we live in the culture we live in, because conservatives have set on their tuchus and have slowly allowed uh, what we know to be the American way of life, I've slowly allowed it to be eroded. You're not going to put me in the ground and look at my bank account or look at the life that I've led and say that I did not do my small part. I want you to join me. You don't have to do what I'm doing. I wouldn't recommend it. It does not pay anything. I don't take a dime out of this publication. But I need your help. Please do mail your checks to the Tennessee Conservative, 1523 East 27th Street, Chattanooga, Tennessee, 37404. Or go to tennesseeconservativenews.com slash support. We need your help. When you give any amount, any, any, any amount, 
we will send you this Don't California My Tennessee bumper sticker. We will send you this Proud Tennessee Conservative bumper sticker. And we will also send you a directory of all these fine Republicans up there who are fighting illegal immigration, giving you school choice options, making sure you have medical freedom. Oh, no, those are all lies. They're doing the opposite of that. Not, not all of them, uh, but the majority. But the majority. Um, because the ones that are actually conservative up there, they get penalized. They get penalized. They lose committee sponsorships. Their bills are killed outright in petty retribution because it's not about the principle. It's about power, and it's about money up there. If you give $50 or more, we will send you. Or if you give a $10 recurring donation monthly or more, we need recurring donations, guys. If, you're, if you get to the donate button page and you're like one time or monthly, please click monthly. We need it. De- desperately need it. Proud Tennessee Conservative Tumblr right here. This thing is made of, um, this thing is made of, of melted down bullets uh, from when firearms were first invented and used. In the Chinese culture, uh, I think that they are the first ones that started using gunpowder and actually used them in warfare. Uh, very old technology guns. And uh, they were melted down from the Xing dynasty and uh, placed into this uh, mug. And so with every mug that you hold, you hold a piece of firearms history. And so uh, proud Tennessee conservative tumbler, you can drink out of this to annoy uh, your friends and relatives who are liberal. And we also send you this proud Tennessee conservative koozie to keep those those smaller drinks warm and uh this this is made of uh of a black material that is very insulative i don't know what this is necessarily um i'm looking here i think this is made of of repurposed tires off of uh, 18 wheelers that are driven by dade dudley and uh junior brown i think that's what this is of i'm not certain really but it will keep your beverages hot or warm Next story or question, I should say, uh, the past few sessions, we have seen the corrupting influence of lobbyists on full display. Explain to voters what taxpayer-funded lobbying is, and is it in the best interest of taxpayers? Taxpayer-funded lobbying is absolutely not in the best interest of taxpayers. These are individuals that work for either fully government entities or quasi-government entities, um, and they are nine times out of 10, they're lobbying on behalf of the government. They are not lobbying on behalf of Tennesseans. In fact, these are the people that are blocking school choice. These are the people that, uh, you know, have, have worked against constitutional carry. You think of any, any conservative bill. These are the individuals that the government says, whoa, 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 people don't need that freedom. The government needs to retain this control. And, uh, you know, while the legislative liaisons, their salaries are posted online, uh, uh, it's, that's all public record. What I'm really referring to are groups like the Tennessee School Board Association. As a taxpayer, as a parent, my dollars pay for, or it's actually the school boards that pay the TSBA, and the TSBA goes and lobbies, and they set their own agenda. They don't set an agenda based off of what parents want or school boards want. They tell them what what's what right so a perfect example of this is house bill 959 senate bill 973 this is an open enrollment transparency bill we passed open enrollment previously guys this is public school choice this is allowing parents to transfer and transport their children to other school districts 
or within the same district if there's open seats available. And all they're supposed to do is publish the number of open seats on their website and allow parents to choose a school that's a better fit for their child. We're still talking about public schools in the same district. They are not complying with this law. They fought against this law every step of the way. And now there's a bill to make it even more transparent and they're fighting it every step of the way now too. That is not surprising. Only a third of kids can read in Tennessee schools, and that goes almost uh, identically the same for mathematics uh, and, and science scores. Uh, are, we continue to spend $12,000 per pupil thereabouts in Tennessee with only half of that making it into the classroom. And uh, parents and kids are getting lower and lower levels of service. Uh, I've often said when you have to pass a law, that says you cannot shame people for the color of their skin when you have to pass a law uh, that says that uh, we don't have harmful concepts uh, being taught inside school, that kids aren't uh, being exposed to strong sexual content. would be like if you had to pass a law that a certain chain of restaurants could no longer like pee in the soup. <laughs> well, if you have to pass a law that they shouldn't pee in the soup, it's probably the kind of restaurant you don't want to eat at. And so right. these are probably the kind of schools you don't want to send your kids to. And uh, we've had a supermajority for a decade, and they they still haven't been able to change this. I think it's time to quit and move on to something else and give people their just a taxpayer, just a tax rebate, Un no strings attached tax rebate. Let let taxpayers move on. Staying on the subject of lobbying, why are there no significant rules about the spouses or relatives of lawmakers serving as lobbyists and especially in the situation specifically of, of Bo Watson's wife, where you can lobby for you know millions, almost billions of dollars in corporate welfare. Then your wife gets paid the money. It goes into the shared bank account. It's it's the same money, right? Like I put it this way. I, when I look at my bank account, there's no telling what my wife has spent. And there's no telling. They're just like, oh, my money is her money. Her money is my money. It's the same money. And so we have uh, lawmakers uh, whose wives or or relatives or even former lawmakers who go up there to cash in on their influence. Why aren't there any any kind of guardrails on this type of really corrupting nepotism? Because you're depending on the same people that benefit from it to vote against it. They're never going to just like they're never going to allow voice votes if, uh, or in voice votes. And if they were to end voice votes, if they were to actually hear the 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 hearing to require a roll call vote, you know that they would kill that vote with a voice vote. So, I mean, you know, it seems like the Senate does a better job in at least declaring what I think it's called Rule 13 to say it's a conflict of interest. But I mean, clearly, if you've seen legislative salaries there, I, I don't know what it's at now. I believe it's still under 30,000 is what they actually get paid. So, I mean, it. I don't think that the chair of finance should be voting on any bills that his wife is lobbying for. I mean, really, he should just take one for the team and step down as chair from finance and, and be a chairman of a different committee, since clearly she is going to be making more money than him lobbying for all these sports teams or corporate welfare. And that's not a knock on him personally. It's just the ethical thing to do. I agree. It is the ethical thing to do. Um it, it, it baffles me. I, I don't think that you should serve. Either one of them should quit. I think the one that, if it were me at our house, the, the person who made the 30 grand would quit and the person making two or 300 grand, which is probably 
what the lobbyist gets paid every time, which is a good deal. That's a good deal when you can spend, I don't know, about a million dollars on lobbyists to go up to Nashville and they get you a half a, a billion dollars. That's good money. I wish or I could. One point two billion, like they did with Ford. I mean, yeah, that's I mean, that would all be great. taxpayer so, dollars. So closed circuit transmission uh, to any lawmakers up there who would like a little. Uh, like if there's something that I can put ten dollars in and come up there and get a thousand, and if I, I just have to hire a lobbyist, if you'll let me know, I'll come up there and lobby you directly, because uh, that sounds like a pretty good deal. Uh, next uh, and final thing, there are some other legislative items that that you have been covering and that you have been following. Uh, are there any of them that are still alive, or are there any that were killed this session that people should know about? If you were to pick your top few. Oh, my top few. It's It's been kind of a crazy session, right? We knew that we were on the outs with a lot of folks because, frankly, we've been speaking to you guys and we've been uh, lifting the veil, so to speak, to show what's really happening up there. And there are a lot of people in power that absolutely do not like being questioned and do not like the way, do not like that we've been so vocal about calling for transparency. Surprise, surprise. So, um, you know, the open enrollment bill, we're still supporting that bill. Uh, now that we've done this interview, if you post it before it's heard in committee, I'm sure they'll find a way to kill it. So we'll, we'll hold on to it. When is it going to? When is it going to be voted? It's, it's in committee on Tuesday and on Tuesday next week. So we I'll, shall we'll, see. We'll post this. We'll post this on Wednesday, Jason. Don't post this before Wednesday. When I send it to Jason, I'll uh, remind him at this part. Yes. <laughs> so. Um, you know, I've seen a couple of bills. Both of them are, have been uh, proposals from the speaker that we have not really been that actively engaged on. But I've just been really floored by the way these bills have moved through the committee process and the lack of appropriate questioning to go along with it. Um, one is House Bill 1214, which basically allows for government re-education camps for your children, because if your children are deemed at risk, they can take them away from you and put them in a year-round boarding school, which, of course, will be paid for with taxpayer dollars. Uh, the homeschool community came out in force against this, and it was a caption bill. They hit this huge amendment on it. I'm sure it's going to have a tremendous fiscal cost. And then, you know, next thing you know, it's it's on deck next week as well. And so the homeschool community has been very vocal about wanting to make sure that our kids are going to be protected, that no one would be forced into going into a year-round boarding school um, because that's really what we're going to end up seeing happen if they pass this legislation as is. You're giving government so much more control. And I mean, I, I've already got a father. <laughs> I've, uh, I've got my, my, my heavenly father and I've got my dad here. So I don't need a daddy government. Yeah, I agree. And it, the thing that kills me, the same people that are failing so epically and public education and who are failing so epically at managing the DCS system want to take on anything more than the simplest. They need to start looking at everything they're doing and they need to stop doing stuff. They need to strip it down to brass tacks. They need to pick a handful of things that they teach in the public school systems and everything else needs to be burned to the ground. And it would be my, uh, my guess would be as if they did that, they still would fail at the five things that were left. And so we don't need government picking up anything else. I mean, if you don't move on from one bad job to one bad job to one bad job to one bad job, let's get one thing right, maybe, and, and quit piling on. You've been very kind with your time. I appreciate you being flexible uh, with 
with Brandon's schedule this morning, trying to get out of town with the kiddos uh, to go on spring break vacation to an undisclosed location, lest the GOP <laughs> Gestapo show up and try to uh, murder me in my sleep. If I ever disappear, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm going to leave a, I'm leaving a letter with several attorneys and you will know who probably killed me. Um, and so <laughs> can I give you the final thought? Yes. Final thought. Actually two final thoughts. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Think about that. Lastly, there can be no accountability without transparency. And if you don't like the way things are going, it doesn't matter what your political stripes are. You should be demanding this transparency in our state government. Well, thank you very much, Ms. Venable. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. I'm glad that we've got an organization that's uh, in our corner, and we agree on 90-some-odd percent of everything. And to me, that is more than enough, and I wish more conservatives would look at things like that because I believe that they need to if we're going to get things done. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brandon. All right, guys. Brandon Lewis here with the Tennessee Conservative. If you enjoyed this interview, please do go to TennesseeConservativeNews.com, hit that subscribe button, or go and search for Tennessee Conservative wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. It really helps. Until next time, I'm BL, signing off.